This is a medicinal mass network production. Enjoy. Truth Seekers, and welcome once again to the FBI Basement, the podcast where we review every last episode of the hit 90s TV show, The X-Files. Every episode? Every episode. Including the one with the wolfen? Is there one with a wolfen? Yes, there is one with a wolfen! An Indian that turns into a wolf? We are four episodes away from it. That's awesome, and the wolfen will come to you with his laser. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, we completely ruined everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am your host, Todd, the man on fire. And uh, with me, as always, is Shannon, who is um, uh, kind of some sort of poltergeist, I think. Boo! You can manipulate things on the material plane. I do plane. feel like I do things with my mind, yes. All right. Uh, joining us again this week, our distinguished panel is Marissa, the Oddite Delight. Hi there. Uh, the Spectral Valentine and the Ethereal Vanya. Ooh. Hello. We're all ghosts. Spoopy. This is a spoopy episode, and we're just getting into Halloween season. Though for me, Halloween season begins right after uh, Labor Day, right? Should I be wearing my spoopy bard hat? That's exactly I'm be... when it starts. Yeah. It's... I'm going to buy, like, the David S. Pumpkin suit, and I'm going to wear it this year. <laughs> Oh my god, yes! <laughs> David Pumpkins! Who are you guys? We're part of it! <laughs> We're gonna question. go all in on David Pumpkins here in this, in this month. Oh, I think we're this big is... fans of Mr. Pumpkins. Um, should I be wearing my spoopy bard hat, though? Right. Not today. We're up to episode six of The X-Files. It's called Shadows. Before we get into this, uh, we've got a little bit of information to disseminate, don't we? I think I am not happy with that. That is sexual harassment, sir. That... What? <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Disseminate. I'm... Disseminate. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Um... Wow, I do words good. Yes, we do. We do have some information for people. Okay. Uh, many of you may know uh, that we have our own, uh, me and Shannon have our own solo podcast, which, well, duo podcast, I guess. We call The Adventures of Todd and Shannon right here on the Medicinal Mass Network. And also, you may know that Shannon writes books. I do? That's right. And if you want to meet us in person and you happen to live in the Kentucky area, have we got some good news for you? Uh, yes, we're going to be at Scarefest in Lexington, Kentucky, at the uh, downtown thing near the Rupp Arena. The convention center. The convention center. The I Lexington Center, well. I think. It's... Yeah, I, the Lexington Convention Center, uh, the 29th through October 1st. Uh, we'll have some things. I'm also working on a very cool thing that will be in our booth. Uh, and we haven't moved either. They've just had to redo the seating arrangement, and I think we're only slightly closer to Edward James Olmos's uh, horrible scars from Werner Herzog. Ooh, neat. Uh, and then there's Imaginarium, right? Yes. Todd and I will also be at Imaginarium in Louisville, Kentucky, downtown at the Ramada Convention Center, uh, from October 6th through the 8th. Uh, I'm going to be doing some panels. Uh, I'm going to do a lot of stuff on folklore and urban fantasy. 
and Todd is going to do whatever they tell him to do. Well, I know I'm doing the podcast. I'm doing a uh, podcast um, uh, panel, of course, the intro to podcasting. I think I'm doing Sony versus Microsoft for the gaming panel. I I may also be doing Marvel versus DC, so I'm jumping right into the fanboy arguments here, you know? And, um... Well, basically, I will make sure that we get that online on uh, my website, schoffwrites.com, because that's going to change this week, too. And then we will be at New River Comic Con, uh, October 28th in Dublin, Virginia. Right on. (laughs) Speaking of the dissemination of information... I'm going to turn it over to our podcasting guru to tell you about the other fine podcasts on the Medicinal Mass Network. I wonder what they are. Books, huh? Those are like podcasts for your eyes. You can get a bunch of those, but like for your ears over at MedicinalMass.com. We have like a million podcasts to choose from and like infinite hours. You'll never run out of things to listen to. I think by infinite, you mean adorably finite. <laughs> you pick your fancy. You, have like, you pick your fancy. You could pick. You could listen to the Adventures of Todd and Shannon, or the Medicinal Mass Podcast, or Masters of Failure, or Family Against Humanity, and those are all fine podcasts <laughs> available on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher or wherever else you want to steal your on-demand audio. If you rub a genie lamp two and a half times, you can get some podcasts for free. I hear too. Uh. We are going to give them out as candy this year for Halloween. That's right. Yes. The world of on-demand audio is our oysters. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Marissa, tell us about the art. Oh, there is art. But, like, like which art? Where would we be able to find your amazing art? Oh, my art. Yes, your art. Oh, www.artitedelight.tk. Um, have fun learning how to spell that. And I also have a Facebook, uh, Delight Art. There's that. There's a link attached to this podcast, too, I think. So, um, click on that. (laughs) Yes. Commissions sometimes available. (laughs) Yeah, yes. All the time. Except for on Tuesday and the rest of the week. Oh, and you could also get a fine copy of Mr. Smile when you find us at pod at any sort of convention. That's true. And we you carry will stare into your soul. We need, we're going to need prints of that, um, uh, that, that Bigfoot picture, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> From Jersey Devil. Oh, boy. That's going to oh, be a problem. Wait, wait, wait. That's right. Uh, we also have another bit of business we have to take care of. Oh. Um, fun fact. Uh, my father overheard us talking about the Jersey Devil. And he had a correction. Oh. I was apparently incorrect. You do not take the turnpike from D.C. to Atlantic City. Uh, apparently, my father and his first wife frequently went from D.C. to Atlantic City. And I want to point that out. This was well over 35 years ago. <laughs> the, one, there is that. And two, the fun thing was that he came to me and said, Shannon, I heard you guys recording last night. And I'm like, oh, God. Is it, did we keep Jeff up? Were we swearing too loud? What? I don't want to just tell you something. And then he proceeded to give me directions to Atlantic City. Directions that were accurate to 1995. 
Yes. <laughs> and I want to point out, we record fairly late in the day. Um, so I want to point out that my father went to bed, got up, got took a shower, got dressed, and read the paper... And this was the only thing he was thinking about. Like he was waiting to tell us that in the morning, right? <laughs> like that's the thing. Like he was holding on to it. And he's like, I can't wait to tell Shannon. All the news so... he was passing over, like, like uh, North Koreans, like yeah. launching missiles over over Japan, Japan and just. And it's like, no, that's not the important thing. I know how to get to Atlantic City, Golden. Okay. Um... So that is an apology we want to say. Um, I have no other apologies to New Jersey. So, holy crap, what episode are we recording today? Shadows. Right. Episode six, it's entitled Shadows. This first episode aired on October 22nd, 1993. Uh, it was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong and directed by Michael Lang. Again, be prepared to see this a lot. Uh <sighs> Let's see here. It uh, drew a Nielsen household rating of 5.9 with an 11 share, meaning that in the U.S., uh, it was viewed by 5.6 million households. Ooh. Uh, and here, and uh, so that's basically the tale of the tape of this. Um, any more business to handle before we get into the episode recap? Nope. All set. All right. So here we go. Uh, we open on a youngish woman, I guess, uh, packing things up in an office, packing up a bunch of pictures and pausing to cry and pausing to cry. <laughs> I wrote down 90s hair. I would say this is the episode that is quintessentially some of the best fashion of the 90s apparently uh her boss just died and uh she is somehow the only woman in the world who is saddened by that <laughs> uh, 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 no she really is super sad she really is quite sad apparently she had a close relationship with her boss uh later on after leaving work, she stops by an ATM and is attacked by a pair of muggers. Did anyone else see the ATM? It looked like it was straight out of the original Star Trek. Like, all the buttons on it were like... Oh, oh my fancy. god, yeah. It was weird. I want one. I was too busy waiting for it to say, feed me a stray cat. Feed me cat. No, feed me a stray kitten. I think, Yes. And the camera pans away, there is yelling, there is screaming, and there are some very horrible noises being going out. <laughs> uh, the woman is Lauren Kyle, by the way, who is played by... Do you have a guest star for this one? Uh, give me a second, and I will get back to you on that. Okay. And then we see the opening credits for uh, Law & Order SVU. Do, 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 do. Choo. Do, 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 do. Special crap. Well, what happened? No, actually, no. Then later, uh, a pair of uh, a pair of homeless kids are like uh, homeless kids are like sort of. I, it's another proto stoner and chick. I think is it is. Yeah, it's it is. It's proto stoner and chick. I I like also that that 
it's in Pittsburgh, but that guy's Canadian accent. Right. Oh, hey. <laughs> they're, in Philadelphia. <laughs> they're not in Pittsburgh, they're in Philly. Oh, that's right. Uh, right, because it, it was right there on Broad Street. Right, there's a right because we started chanting EC dub. Okay, sorry. The bodies of the muggers are found by these by Proto Stoner and Chick, and then we cut to the opening theme music. Who wants to sing it this week? Not me. Do 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 that was very nice. The government denies knowledge. <laughs> Hedvard, you idiot. Okay. Uh we have we return we pick up things uh at the FBI office. <laughs> Where have we gone straight to the morgue this time? Oh, this is the really yeah, weird Yeah, we're going to the morgue. Okay, this they're... is the really weird one with the They are already at the morgue and uh, have been invited by two other agents who are being quite tight-lipped about their affiliation about their um, uh, agency affiliation and about everything apart from the fact that these two dudes were dead and apparently uh had a lot of electro um uh electrostatic activity still in their bodies and despite being dead for several hours had not yet really cooled at all i think i had yeah because there was the weird joke about you people that I think I had written in <laughs> because it's just like one of well, the yeah one of the the agent one of the is, mysterious agents was black <laughs> and there is a line where I think Mulder literally says when are you people going to tell us something and my reference there is what do you mean you people <laughs> uh, to answer the earlier question she is Lisa Waltz who is better known as that th- woman who was in that thing. As of late, she was Marcus's wife on Fear of the Wa- Fear the Walking Dead, and was I? Uh, I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's it. That's all I got. Like she's been in this thing or that thing. Uh, she was in an episode of Castle. So when I say she's that girl who was in that thing, I mean I'm looking at her doing like guest stars and like twenty things. The interesting thing about these bodies is that their throats were crushed from the inside, <gasps> and the two. Le- and but since the since the other agents are not forthcoming with any information, Mulder and Scully leave and go on to the next endeavor. I was going to say it was interesting though how they came to this one without uh, Mulder having to convince Scully that it's worth their time to investigate. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're never going to keep Scully away from body, are you? You're, you're like she if there's some if there's an autopsy to be done, she is right there. There are literally two things that I've learned as my love of the X-Files is that Scully is always willing to poke a dead body and will always get into tiny places. Right. Okay. <laughs> so uh meanwhile, we go back to Lauren who uh is dealing with her new boss Robert Dorland and giving and puts in her two weeks notice over her grief over the death of Dorland's partner Howard Graves, who committed suicide weeks before. That was the gentleman whose office was being cleaned out. Uh, and back with the agents, of course, Mulder hasn't left it alone. He's seen stuff like that in the X Files. He's poked around a little bit and determined that the dead bodies belonged to a group to a pair of Islamic terrorists 
Okay, can, can we go back just like a second? Because I have a couple of notes on that. Okay. Uh, one, did anyone else feel like this was a weird sexual harassment video from the 90s? <laughs> oh, I wrote down Creeper. The boss. Yeah, at first, that's like, exactly what I thought. Yeah. It's like you, you feel like she's about to put her hand up and say, no, that's sexual <laughs> harassment, and I don't have to take it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and two, I want to point out that guy's office is exactly like Jack Donahue's from 30 Rock. Now I have to look at it again. Yeah, I'm not kidding. And, like, that's a show that I've seen. That's another show I've literally seen every episode of. Well, uh, as I said, there is a Islamic terrorist group called the Ishfahan. And remember when? Remember when? When that wasn't a, that, that was a topical thing? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it were now. Uh, using the uh, using video pulled from the ATM uh, surveillance camera, they were able to track down Lauren. Uh, as well, during the uh, examination of the video, there was a shadowy figure seen in the background. <laughs> A figure that appears to resemble Howard Graves. <laughs> the agents meet with Lauren at her home, and after she initially denies it, admits to the incident, but knows nothing about the murders. Which was dumb. You know... Yeah, uh, automatically she's a person of interest at least, right? Right. Uh, speaking as the child of a retired lawyer, the niece of lawyers, the sister of a lawyer... Um, it's perfectly okay to say, get a warrant. <laughs> get a warrant. As the agents leave, inexplicably, uh, their car goes out of control on its own, uh, but they survive. Later on, they take it to be inspected, but it seems there's no evidence of tampering. But, even, but the lights remain on because of an electrical charge, even when they are switched off. Da-na-na! Sorry. So at this point, the, at this point, the theory is going. The theory is some kind of psychokinetic powers that Lauren has, right? This yeah. Is what Mulder is coming up with right now. <laughs> yeah. Which is less left field than anything Mulder says. When learning about um, uh, Howard Graves, uh, they go to the cemetery where he's buried. And uh, there's a very helpful uh, cemetery gardener. <laughs> There to there to tell him the entire story of Howard Graves' life and the life of his daughter, who also is buried there. But there's one age. of these in every episode. Yeah, this guy just happens to know freaking everything. It's the NPC. Right. Yeah. Wait, He's Deckard did Kane. Did we also mention that you pointed something out uh, while they are looking at the scene the with the ATM? Mm-hmm. Which was you told me that street was really quiet for a Monday night. Philly, Philly, ninety-five because that was when ECW was hot. I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I mean, I'm a wrestling fan, so I'm going to make that joke. But you know, <laughs> right? Okay, the guy. So this guy, you know, is sort of there with. A lot of exposition to hand over to Mulder and Scully. <laughs> and, uh... Oh, hey there. I remember the graves. Yeah. Apparently, the 
girl had uh, fallen into a pool or something and when she was unsur- unsupervised and drowned, very young. Her age would have been about the same age as Lauren. There's also some fun trivia. Uh, the birth date on there is the air date of the first episode of Star Trek. Oh, neat. Now we know where they got their ATM. Yep. So- <laughs> Naturally, they borrowed it as an homage. I, I got nothing else. I'm sorry. So while Mulder is on the whole psychokinetic thing, Scully is all about, well, she still has a partner. <laughs> and through photographic evidence, they managed to see, catch a spectral image of Graves and assume that, and Scully assumes that Graves has uh, faked his death. Mulder sort of points out that this is really, that faking one's death is really hard to do. Only one person has managed to do it successfully. Who did he say that was again? Jesus. Wait, the one person? Ah. I was going to say, everyone take a drink. (laughs) The Elvis jokes have started. Well, well, we're going to talk about the Elvis jokes a bit more because this is sort of the beginning of Mulder's obsession with that. Well, I also want to point out how very well inserted Mr. Graves is into that picture. True. (laughs) Uh, You see, children, before we had Photoshop or I could do it with an app on my phone, faking photos was very hard. (laughs) Now... Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Now, in an, now, of course, they do uh, investigate as to whether or not Graves is actually dead, which, thanks to uh, his donated organs, they're able to confirm via DNA that, yep, that guy is as dead as fried chicken. Uh, meanwhile, Lauren witnesses a vision <laughs> of blood appearing in the bathtub where basically the actual murder of Howard Graves and not the suicide is played out before her. <laughs> I remember seeing that, or saying that uh, that actually looked pretty fucking cool, the way they did that. That was a pretty neat little bit. Uh, neat little bit yeah. yeah. I-, I will say I've seen this episode two or three times. I was not fond of it. And then I watched it again and I'm like, oh, this is not bad. It's her reaction that kind of kills that scene. Uh-huh. She overacts. Yeah, it's like it's all the effect of a bath bomb, and she's acting like it. Oh, back to back to the um, uh, going away party. Lauren uh, is threatened by by Graves's partner Dorland, who believes she has knowledge of the confidential information that could implicate him in the terrorist thing. And he, of course, threatens right back, as he knows exactly. It, it th- threatens right back, and. Lauren immediately calls the agents when she realizes that, uh, oops, now that I've pretty much said that, you know, they're going to send someone to kill me, which they do. And then suddenly shit gets really freaky. Wait a second. We passed up when Mulder actually gave her that that card. He handed it to her and he said any time in the hope said she would like call him for sex later. And then uh, is there an episode that Mulder is not creepily sexy? 
She like, kind of bites her, you know, I'm watching it right now, and she bites her lip. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the point where Mulder just sort of becomes the American Heathcliff, right? And did we already pass up the 1990s Google that they were using to find out the information? We kind of didn't talk about that. Oh, no. Like, I was looking at that, I was Please. like, oh, remember that? Like, and she's just scrolling through that shit, and... I don't know. Oh my god. You just That's watched right. that like it was nothing, like it didn't phase you at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I remember when they were trying to explain things like dogpile and Google, and I was like, this is too complicated. I'll never get it. And then I just Googled like half the crap that I needed to know about this episode on my phone. That's so That's funny. I wrote it down as nineties Google. You know, we'll have a lot to talk about uh, about technology very soon, I think. Um, Beep, bop, boop. So two of the assassins hired by Dorlin try to arrive to kill her. Uh, invisible force kills both of them. Mulder arrives to see uh, the one of them being held up by his neck like about a foot off the ground. Did, did we jump ahead? Everywhere. No, no, because this is where, because, you know, they attacked her pretty much after she went home from getting threatened by Dorland. Mm-hmm. Is this where it's like Scully had to go back to the car to get her gun or something? Like, I don't know why Scully didn't come in, like, you know, a couple seconds earlier to see this shit, to see the floating guy, right? Because her legs are short. It's like she gets it, she drops him, so it's like, okay, she, we got to maintain a skeptic. Oh, she could have gotten there a second earlier and seen that freaky shit. It's literally like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot my bullets. I need to go back to the car. <laughs> Damn it, just cut the bullets in the gun. Damn it. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, great moments in X-Files logic. Even if she does see it, doesn't matter anyways. I don't know why they used to dangle it in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't see it, she's like, well, plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah, but, like, we see it, so we know it's real. So, I don't she's know. right there. <laughs> you know what it's kind of like? She's experiencing it. <laughs> I, and I know we're going back to wrestling, but it's like, and you guys can Google it, too, on 2017 Google, uh, the ultimate warrior in the mirror. in the mirror before and Hogan. Like, and, and we everybody, see it. We see it. The announcers Hogan see it. The fans it, see it. And, the fans see it. But the Eric announcers. Bischoff is in the damn room with him and doesn't see it. So <laughs> never mind. Okay. So please go Google it. <laughs> we will stop talking wrestling. Uh, now, uh, commercial break. Morley brand cigarettes. Konnichiwa. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Old Bastard Whiskey, the top whiskey enjoyed by old bastards nationwide. I'm talking about the kind of man that won't cop to being a racist, but will take every chance he gets to beat up a Mexican or just proudly display a Confederate flag. That's an old bastard. Old Bastard Whiskey. Asked for it by name. I'll place my knapsack on my back, my rifle on my shoulder. I'll march away to the firing line. Kill that Yankee soldier. I'll kill that Yankee soldier. I'll march away. 
when we come back from commercial, Lauren is being interrogated by Mulder and Scully and uh, not wanting to say a damn thing. In come the two unknown agents that called them in and they are pissed off. And this is a great moment, though. It's a great moment in Mulder. <laughs> it's a fantastic moment in Mulder. Like, okay, go talk to her. Uh, they believe, <clears throat> since they believe that Graves and Dorland uh, Company was stolen technology to the Ishfahan. I would like to say at this moment that there are some of the best Mulder lines in this episode. Mulder is like just pinnacle great in this. Well, I love it when Mulder is a dick to other agents, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, there was that, and then there's the line at the beginning that, like, I want on a tea towel. I don't lie. I willfully participate in the misinformation of the truth. God, I love that line. That is so <laughs> great. I want it on a tea towel. Along with uh, the line from uh, Capaldi and In the Loop. Fuckity bye. <laughs> All right, so uh, eventually... Scully uses um, uh, Lauren's belief that Graves is watching over her to sort of get her to open up and, ex- and say, as a secretary, she heard things, she noticed things, she saw things, she uh, can probably point them to the evidence that will lock Dorland up for selling uh, these uh, technolo- these parts to the terrorists. Okay, so this is the moment where there's the weird inconsistency, right? What's that? Okay, so for those of you who have now probably watched this along with us and enjoyed moments, uh, Scully has started wearing the cross necklace. This is going to be your MacGuffin later, and I won't get into it. But Scully is a devout Catholic. That's going to be much more important later. This is super important later on. But there's a discussion about Scully. I'm surprised that you believe... And she's like, it doesn't matter. I don't, but she does. And there's something really weird about it to me as someone who grew up kind of Catholic. Eh. Let's save that for the analysis, dear. Okay. Were these the same terrorists uh, that sold the uh, the radioactive shit to Doc Brown for his DeLorean? Yes, they are. <laughs> That's what I thought. I also noted that they had Wait. the hugest Tascam I've ever seen in that interrogation room. Oh my god, they did. Wait, I'm actually staring at our copy of Back to the Future. I think it is actually. Is that presumed? Was that also done? <laughs> I think they are. Oh my god, they are the same terrorists. <laughs> oh man. So I've, I've, <laughs> We have gone. This one's gone off the rails. I, okay. I, I passed up a paragraph of notes where I got uh, getting that ghost deep throat. And then they went to the hor- <laughs> then they went to the horrible uh, sweater party. <laughs> oh, I want that as my birthday party, man! Nineties <laughs> sweaters birthday party. All right, so wait, we're de- now we're, now we're at the um, uh, now uh, the agents have all all four all four agents and Lauren have come to the office they've got uh warrants they are tearing apart everything they are basically tossing this whole office right (laughs) and do you think they had a warrant i'm pretty sure they did 
This is pre-Patriot Act. They had to have a warrant. Yeah, there's some issues there, but go on. Uh, so they're tossing the tossing the uh, office building. Uh, Lauren is helping, uh, but it doesn't look like anything anything significant is being found yet. Uh, until they until they go into uh, Dorland's office, Mulder is there. Dorland is there, and. Lauren is there, and uh, surprisingly, Graves is also there. <laughs> Dorland makes a uh, begins to th- it begin it gets all threatening towards Lauren again, and therefore, stuff gets freaky. Papers are flying all over the the ring. It looks like he's being cho- it looks like Dorland is being choked. Carol Ann, no. Lauren talks the ghost out of killing him and instead helps him find that piece of that elusive piece of evidence a floppy disk a 3.5 a three and a half inch (laughs) floppy disk remember those (laughs) how much evidence could you fit on a floppy disk at this point uh if you're lucky a gig you see, no, you can't even get a gig on that. You get 3.5 megabytes yeah you get megabytes you get half a titty on one of those things I don't want to know. Uh, you see, children, in the 90s, we had those things that you see on your computer that says, uh, save. They were real. And it's the small ones. It's At least it's not the giant ones that you would have had to use, like, on an Apple. They were like, uh, <sighs> they were like flat plastic God. dildos that your computer liked and enjoyed to save memory on. And you had to... Yeah, and if you were lucky on Friday, they had the Oregon Trail. <laughs> oh, oh, memories! I just played that a couple years ago. You have died of dissing Terry many times. <laughs> Weeks later, uh, Lauren decides to leave. The, decides that she's leaving Philadelphia to move out and get away from everything. Now that. Uh, now that the the spirit of graves has been quieted and of course leaving the uh, leaving town and embar- to embark off on a new adventure she winds up in another dead-end secretarial job yeah she's working for mutual of omaha or something <laughs> like in the middle <laughs> like of, instead of doing you know soul crushing work uh, soul crushing desk work in philly i'm gonna do it in nebraska well, to be fair, uh, there is a really banging club scene out in like Nebraska. Go Huskers! Go Huskers! <laughs> I have family that lives in Nebraska. I I know nothing of Nebraska apart from corn. They got mushrooms too. Cows, cows and shit. The good kind. All mushrooms are good kind. I I don't uh. know. But yeah, I remember it being very flat, very flat, and um. Uh, uh, as they leave, uh, Mulder asks Scully if she believes in an afterlife. <sighs> I can't remember if it was a non-answer or she just says no. <laughs> it was a non-answer, sort of a non-middle yeah. answer. And then they talk about going to see the Liberty Bell. <laughs> I would like to point out that it's probably a Jesuitical answer. Uh, they... <laughs> Meanwhile, the at her new um, uh, exciting office job in Nebraska at Mutual of Omaha, another worker gives her a little bit of sass, and suddenly the 
coffee t- cup starts to shake. Oh, but it's not the coffee cup. It's the plaque she steals from mm. the office of her dead boss. Ah. Well, who knows if it's the... Well, no, because they well, make it might the... might be the... No, I think it's a it's that, because she then makes the comment about, oh, the stupid trains. Yeah. <laughs> End episode. <laughs> and you and I have made this... And you and I made the comment of, any time is train time. I remember this. Yeah, like, the coffee cup shakes, and then uh, she goes back and she sits at her desk, and then she looks at the, 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 oh, okay, the um, right. things she brought is. with her. And then I just yeah. it literally just closed as you guys were saying that. <laughs> and then yeah, and then it's because I, I, I the note that I made is anytime is train time, and that means the train needs to be louder. You don't get it. She, she went to Nebraska for the rumbling of the train. It's a much better seat to sit in when you're at work. <laughs> well, better, it's, better office environment, I guess. Well, it's like uh, the joke is that. When we were in college, uh, your dorm room is like right next to the train track. Where, where we went to college, we, uh, yeah, the dorm, the, the freshman dorms especially, were right smack ne- next to the train tracks that ran right through the middle of campus. And you know, you know the old the, the Blues Brothers joke: "How often does the train go by? So often you don't even notice it." And that's exactly how it is. <laughs> Except unless, it's of like, course, you're on the phone, and then it's like, "Excuse it, it me, the train." I, I could I could sleep or study through the train any time at that point. But it's like the only time it was it, it pissed me off is if I was on the telephone or something like that because I couldn't hear what the if I was anybody was saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because if you know, like my mother would call on a weekly basis, and at by the end of my career at uh our illustrious college uh i was living next to the train tracks in the nicer dorm and it's like uh hang on mom why train okay Move. so what did everybody, th- what did everybody <laughs> think of this one do we got uh, some analysis here you know it's not uh. as, it's not as bad as i remember it <laughs> i don't i don't know why it's like i don't think i liked it i 13 year old shannon didn't like it because she wanted to see the aliens uh, 34-year-old Shannon's like, okay, that's not a bad episode. It's a little creepy, and not in the fun way. Yeah, I think that, the, I think that you know, there's like a, the, there's like a very unprofessional office relationship at the core of this whole episode. It, you run into, it seems to me, with these very early episodes, and it's been so long, so I don't know if it sort of evens out. There's a really weird tone to this season. Like, well, they're still trying to find what would be the tone for the entire series. Yeah. And, like, what I'm saying is there's some really weird, like, sexual undertones here that I'm not... I, I was not aware of. Some sexual overtones. I was being nice. But, yes, they're over. Way over. So over. Over, over, over. Marissa, what do you think of this one? <laughs> um... Pretty much the same idea. Like, I was too young at the time to get what the uh, underlying theme was. And I've seen it a couple times since, and I picked up on it. It's an episode. It's not one of the greatest ones. It's not terrible. It is an episode, I would say, would make me understand why this brand... Perfectly ser- ser- serviceable, you know? It's a solid yeah. C+. Probably, 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 a cheap, probably pretty cheap to make. 
I would also say that this, yeah. is, this is an episode that if I were a network exec, I would be like, okay, we'll see what they can do now. Kind of it seems almost like an obligatory episode. Like, all right, now we got to tackle telekinesis, but we don't have the best idea in the world, so let's well, just go with this. Apparently... It- go with poltergeists, right? Apparently, yeah. it was a fuck you episode because they were, the studio said, well, Boulder and Scully should help people. And they were like, okay, fuck you. So. <laughs> All right. So, um, uh, Valentine, Vanya, your thoughts? It was okay. Anything else? I don't know. Um, it, like, like Marissa said, it was just an episode. So, um, not my favorite. My favorite's coming up here, though. <laughs> Like, I think soon. I definitely got another sexual under overtone from this episode, but it was more on the the chicks into ghost fingering or whatever yeah. it is oh, he's yeah, doing to her. Did, we did talk she about She definitely that. orgasmed near the end of the episode. Yeah, it was kind of sick notes. what we came up with. I don't but, know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but they, yeah. did they ever, they did never solve it. Like, what was the deal with the chick getting blasted by the, by the ghost dude? You know, like, they never solved the ghost issue. What the hell was he? <laughs> like they didn't even yeah, who knows they didn't even allude to what he might be like other than just a poltergeist like is he like so uh we're now entering a period of time where you're going to get a lot of non-satisfactory resolutions from the x-files we're just living out Mulder's fantasies well isn't there like the the, the hint that it might be a an experiment of some kind because he's all—he's got all these pictures in his office of him with all these like high-ranking officials and like famous people. I don't know if it's necessarily an experiment. I don't—I didn't get that. Mm. Maybe he joined Scientology and he finally read, like, went to the final, he the went highest to level. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he, went he got rid of all his like thetans. Made all it to... the thetans. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, read much more into this and that. I, let's just. Hand out the ratings. I'm going to give this one uh, two spectral images of businessmen out of five. Uh, Shannon, your rating? Uh, I'm going to give this episode an exorcism. (laughs) Marissa? I I give this episode four incidents of ghost throat sex out of five. No, three and a half. Okay. Uh, Valentine? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say this is definitely, uh, two ghost penises. Uh, could there could have been Two more. ghost sticks. Yeah. Ghost sticks. And Vanya. Ah, oh, shit. I don't know. Two stars. Okay. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we're just about fresh out of show this week. Oh. So they uh, should join us next time. Right. In which uh, the HAL 9000 and Steve Wozniak have a baby and then date the series. Computers are scary. Join us next week on the FBI Basement for Valentine, Vanya, Marissa, and Shannon. I'm Todd saying goodbye. The truth is out there. No, it isn't. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more from our other shows on the Medicinal Mass Network.